Spectre Cinema Club episode 148. Tau A gives Deep Rising 3 out of 5 stars saying, Not Aliens starring not Kurt Russell, not Colin Farrell, and a bunch of other, hey look it's that guy, is actually not bad. Aquatic horrors tend to be next level bad so I'll be happy taking one that's just decent. Welcome back to Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with the horror subgenres. My name is Garrett McDowell, the co-host of this show, and sitting across from me, it's Devon Taylor. Hello, hello, and uh, I'm still breathing. There's uh, still some air in our oxygen tanks as uh, as we close off our month of uh, aquatic horror. Well, not quite yet. This is our last like uh, regular episode, Mm -hmm. uh, talking deep rising today, but uh, we will have a uh, special episode next week uh, all about sharks, alligators, and crocs because, you know, they're kind of uh, the patron saints of aquatic horror in a way. Um, and, And it's funny because... That it all that all kind of ties into the way I chose this movie because um because so originally whenever I was trying to pick something mm-hmm. I was like okay I want to pick something that's not sharks because yeah. I thought all the other guests were gonna pick shark stuff I thought we were gonna have a shit ton of shark movies in mm-hmm. this month so I was like preemptively <laughs> being like okay I'm not gonna do a shark movie but I was like there's a lot of aquatic horror movies that just I haven't seen that I've been wanting to get into. So I put it to Twitter. I let them choose uh, my pick for, for this month. And as it was uh, between this and Triangle. Um, and I know that this is like the more out and out aquatic horror between the two of them. And this ended up did taking the poll. I think it took it like 65%. Yeah. Um, but uh, Triangle's one that I've been hearing quite a bit about. So so that's still on the list. But uh, so, so I let the people choose this one. You know, between the two, I have seen both. Uh, and I, I would have preferred to talk Triangle. <laughs> I will say, I will say that if we had have talked Triangle, I would have threw a fit, Devon, because that is no more aquatic horror than the lighthouses. Well see, I didn't <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't know. So I would have I would have uh, gotten off a little bit uh on that one because I, I didn't know, but then whenever uh whenever I was talking between those two choices, that is what people are saying. Yeah. Like it is aquatic horror, but it's also not. Yeah. Um so so I'm I'm intrigued to still get to it at, at some point. Uh, I know that's like kind of a twisty ish one yeah. uh, that I've been meaning to get around too so a uh, triangle will have to uh, uh hold out for another one but um but i i felt like it was uh I, i'm glad that we did do this one because i mean i feel like this is a nice way to send off the month of yeah. just like you know like you know peak 90s oh, uh, yeah. creature feature kind of stuff going on um so so yeah so i'm excited to go ahead and get into it and uh get done with our title terror month Deep Rising, released February 2nd, 1998, directed by Steven Summers, uh, that is the director behind The Mummy, Van Helsing, and I just learned this the other day, Odd Thomas. I didn't know he directed that one, starring uh, mm. the late, great Anton Yelchin. Mm. I love that film. I haven't seen that one myself. Oh, oh, you're going to love it. Like you, you will actually, you will love it. It's well, it's a very sweet ghost movie check it uh, out. starring Anton Yelchin. Yeah. It's like kind of one of his... Uh, 
uh, I think it was like maybe like his like third or fourth like last yeah. movie before he well, passed. Well, other than the Mummy movies, this is kind of uh, you know, in Van Helsing as well. This is uh, would be the third, uh, not including I guess his his trilogy of Mummy movies, kind of the third batch of movies that I've seen from him. Uh, and ironically, on my way uh, here, somebody in front of me had that super yaki bumper the, sticker, the Mummy the, sticker, the Mummy, yep. literally <laughs> like a couple lights away from here, and I was like, yeah, Stephen is with us today. <laughs> yes, uh, I can say I'll be covering uh the mummy on uh horror hunks with a guest from a few weeks ago uh chris waltz uh so that'll be coming up uh later on in the year um but uh you know we, we'll probably get to it here on uh on on the podcast as well because i mean it's 1999 the mummy but uh, uh this was also written by stephen summers as well uh cinematography was done by howard atherton uh, score by Jerry Goldsmith, um, a very popular uh, composer. Uh, I was shocked when I saw that name because I was doing the, the background info like as I started the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, this score is whack. <laughs> and then when I saw I was expecting you to go the other way and be like, I really dug the score. And you're no, like, no, this is ass. This dude. score is so whack. And then when I saw it was Goldsmith, I was like, Are you joking? Because uh, if you guys don't know Jerry Goldsmith, uh, he did the score for Alien, for Gremlins, uh, also The Mummy with Stephen Summers, uh, amongst a, a bevy of uh, uh, films. A uh, very prolific composer. And I was shocked on how bad the score was for this movie. But, anyways. <laughs> Um, this was uh, edited by John Wright and Bob Dukese. Uh Box office. This was a bomb. It only made eleven point two million against its forty five million dollar budget. Damn. Woof. I mean, they did dump it at the end of well, I mean, at the beginning of February, end of January. So this was like kind of a dump movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, fascinating to me uh, for how big of a budget it has. I've I've never understood like if you have a big because I know it's like I know it's like a tax break thing yeah. that they that they do whenever they like release them around this time. But it's like, why yeah. would you release an expensive movie in the the dump period? Well, it's always been fascinating. Well, to especially because this really does seem like, especially in the late '90s, you know, this seems like your typical summer blockbuster. So uh, I'm curious, and I'm I'm definitely gonna take a look to see kind of what was its competition around that time. What was it avoiding? You know, what was yeah? What was yeah, coming out was in summer the of summer. 1998? You know. Yeah, yeah, this definitely should have been a summer movie. Um, but um, on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 32% on uh, 34 reviews, uh, low review numbers, because this was actually around the time that Rotten Tomatoes was started. Um, so it was still in its early infancy. So not a lot of reviews on this one. Uh, what do you think uh, the letterbox average is right now? Um, uh, I'm probably going to be pretty close, uh, as, as, I, as I typically am. I'm going to say like a, I'm going to say... 2.8 uh 3.1 okay, 3.1. okay. Uh, uh this is uh definitely uh it's a bit of a cult favorite amongst genre fans um because again it was a bomb but people uh definitely have a lot of fun with this movie um but yeah so uh like i said this was a um i i put it to uh the the to the internet for for my choice on this one and uh and yeah like i mean I love my 90s uh, creature features. Um, I mean, we'll talk about some of them in movie math. Um, but they just have that specific flavor that I tend to enjoy. And uh, this one, maybe a little too much sauce. Mm. Has a little too mm. much going on. And they try to go, they try to lean a little bit too hard into the B-movie angle that they're going for. Yeah. Like they're almost trying to do like a self-aware thing. And it just kind of doesn't really work. And they're, they're trying really hard to be funny 
and the comedy is kind of 50-50 in this movie. Sometimes it works, and then other times I'm, like, groaning. Uh, so yeah. it's like the, this movie, it does have the, the, the essence and the soul of those 90s creature features, um, but I feel like it's trying a little too hard. Uh, it almost felt like it was trying to be a future cult movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I don't hold a lot of these kinds of films to a particularly high regard. I think I certainly go to them for a lot of the same reasons. I want to see some action. I want to see some scares, maybe a little bit of gore. You know, this, I think, has a the R rating, so I think that they're a lot to have some fun in that regard and just kind of a fun creature feature. And I, I think that this does deliver on that level. Not too many more levels. I don't think that this... I, I don't think that there's a reason uh, or I do think that there's a reason that this isn't, you know, like the 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 level of an Independence Day or something like that to where it is the pinnacle of a 90s action blockbuster. And if I, you know, had been around at this time, I don't know if I would have been telling all my friends, oh, you got to go see Deep Rising. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, that the, your local blockbuster is probably the place to check this one out. I mean, this definitely hits the action adventure beats that steven summers would go on to be known for throughout his career yeah uh, because this was uh, still pretty early on this was before the mummy and you know it definitely still hits those beats and like because like when i watch these 90s creature features i'm mainly there because i want to have fun you right. know like that's the that's the main gist i want to have fun if i get some extra stuff in there cool mm -hmm. and i do have fun with like some of the set pieces in this um, the way that the, the like horror is kind of presented with like holding back on the creatures for like a good while. Yeah. And, you know, things like that. Like it, it works on that level. But man, these characters, oh. it's not that they're just bad characters because <laughs> I don't need them to be good characters. They are just so annoying. Like We're talking about, let's say the character on three, two, one, <laughs> what, Joey. Pooch. Yeah, jo oh, Joey yeah, Pooch. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's I was he got eight and he's like supposed to be like the friend and it's supposed to be like this heroine like, oh, no, they got Joey. Man. And I was like, thank fucking God he is dead. <laughs> I mean, I was going to save it till character stuff. But while we're here, like literally <laughs> maybe the single most annoying character I've seen in a horror movie like in a while. I have not yeah. been this like just I just I the wanted... whiniest fucking useless is yeah. whiny. He's, he's dumb. <laughs> he's dumb. He's an incel. He's whiny. All He's trying to make so many jokes and they're just not hitting. No. Like, I mean, it was like watching a comedian bomb on stage <laughs> and I was just like, yo, please, monster, take him out. Like, he's yeah. suffering. Like, that's how bad he was. Well, he is portrayed by the same actor who uh, plays Benny, who, who is Benny in the movie. Who is great, though. He's annoying, yeah. but great. <laughs> in like an endearing way. And he's also uh, plays uh, Igor and Van Helsing. So he's definitely oh. like a Stephen Summers kind of uh, uh, veteran. But I like his Igor and Van Helsing, too. He just did didn't have it in this one. Man. I actually Just, like his Igor in that too, because he's like a he's like an a, annoying little menace. Yeah, in that one, like uh, fucking with the monsters all the time. Like I actually like him in that too. So yeah. Um, so, but not only just him. I mean, like yeah, the, it was just these characters were just so like I just like. And, and that's like the thing that's like it keep me from like maybe like rewatching this because I'll think sure. in my head like, oh, yeah, we get a fucking, you know, we get the jet ski through the ship. We get all these different set pieces. We get lots of blood in this. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that gets me excited to revisit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I got to remember who I'm hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also and uh, 
well, we'll, we'll I'll put a pin in it. We'll we'll talk about more about characters, but yeah, I think generally speaking, there are there's especially in the lead uh, to to tease a, a later point in the conversation. I think the lead of the movie just doesn't necessarily have the sauce. Interesting. You know? uh, See, I, I I'll I'll disagree with you on that one. So yeah, we'll we'll hold off uh, uh, to get into that a little bit more. Um, but are uh, you ready to give a sixty second synopsis? For this I one? guess let's do it. I mean, I'm sure you won't even need it. <laughs> All right, I got you on the clock here in three, two, one, go. So there's this rich millionaire asshole, you know the type, uh, and he invests in this giant luxury cruise ship that is supposed to be the most expensive and the most exclusive uh, getaway, you know, on the sea kind of experience that money can buy. Um, but he's using this as a front to get uh, insurance money. It is later found out while he's also doing this, he's allowing smuggling to be happening on board. Uh, and all of these things come to a head and kind of collide together when the boat is attacked by some of these uh, mysterious monsters that come up from the depths of the ocean. They attack the ship. All of the passengers mysteriously disappear uh, and this team of mercenaries, as well uh, as a, a few stragglers here and there, must uh, band together and work together in order to survive against these uh, blood-sucking creatures. And time. Nice. Nice and succinct. Thank uh, you. you could say um, that these monsters did rise from the deep. They did. Uh, they, they absolutely they, did. They, they, they did. I love how there's even in the... Uh, mythology scene like he like even like takes like to explain that specifically like well at this depth they're this big but the deeper you go the bigger they get and it's like ah the, the deep rising <laughs> i got you thank you thank you for that yeah um uh but yeah so uh yeah uh this movie again it does have a lot going on and that like the setup like surprised me because i was like okay so let me get this straight we have luxury cruise ship we have a storm happening we have a ship of mercenaries, and then we also have monsters, and, and also like fraud happening, oh, like and insurance then, yeah. fraud, and yeah. then yeah, and then on top of that, insurance fraud. Uh, like they really are like kind of putting everything in, and I actually do like the way that they set up all these different pieces. Uh, Famke Jansen's like a small time uh, thief on the ship, yeah, and in the way that everything comes together, I actually thought that worked out really well. Uh, as far as like uh, the the setup and format of this movie, um, but let's go ahead and get into some of our subgenres. Uh, obviously, we're topping off our aquatic horror. This fits in very nicely there. Uh, we had to get uh, yet another creature feature in here because mm -hmm. I feel like aquatic horror is kind of dominated by creature features in general. I would say so, yeah. Whether it's like what we talked about earlier this month with Underwater or Creature from the Black Lagoon where it is some sort of you know monster coming out from the depths, usually as a result of like humans going places where mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be or it's your shark alligator or, or something or maybe even a combination of the two maybe a big giant monster shark or an alligator or something so yeah I, I feel like there's only a couple of camps that I can really draw from well and and what's interesting about this one though because like you like you just said like usually the creatures emerge via you know human interference mm -hmm. of some way this this movie doesn't have that like not quite these monsters just that happened to be in these waters where like they, they mentioned that they're like kind of in uncharted waters where yeah. these like islands haven't been designated just yet. Mm -hmm. uh, they mentioned that, but like, you know, they're not like nobody's doing anything like, you know, the mercenaries, they have their plan, but it doesn't involve like, you know, 
destroying anything in the sea or anything like that or yeah. disturbing. And then like, certainly nothing environmental. And then, yeah, and as far as you know, the cruise ship is just a cruise ship passing through. You know, so it's like you know, I guess one, it could still be a territorial thing. But, like, I also think it's interesting that it's, like, again, like how I said, like, there's so much going on and, like, you know, like, there are all these, like, bad things are happening. It feels like these monsters are just, like, the karma for, for like, all the characters. <laughs> like, like, up oh, all these people doing dumb shit. Like, we got a, a ship full of rich people partying it up without a care in the world. We got the rich guy, like you yeah. said, like, scheming to commit fraud. We got the mercenaries that are helping out. Yeah. And so it's like it Eat just the really. Rich to a, a very literal level. Very literal. Eat the rich and then spit their bones back yeah, up. Nasty. Love that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's like it feels like the monsters really are just like, oh, like, you're already just doing shit you shouldn't be doing anyway. So, like. You know what? Why not? Here, yeah. we're going to come fuck with you now. You know, I do think kind of keeping in mind where action movies were, and we can talk about some subgenres because I think that there this is an action horror film. Yeah. There's also like an adventure level to it, and it's also sort of a disaster movie, which will play uh, more into my movie math. But I think kind of keeping in mind where action movies were at this time in a post-diehard sort of world where there were lots of hey, it's Die Hard, but on a bus, on a boat, on a plane, whatever, you know, for this to kind of have that setup of there's all these rich people and then there's all these criminals on this boat, you think it's maybe going to turn into them trying to rob the boat or trying to... Or, or, or be, being the good guys and saving the rich people. Yeah, something like that for it nah. to turn its, on, its head and then be like, oh, actually, what if it's Die Hard on a boat? Just kidding, there's monsters and they're attacking everyone and, and, and sucking these people's, you know, blood. I, I felt like that was kind of a, a fun and, you know, expected, but maybe at the time, an unexpected twist. Oh yeah, this is this definitely action adventure, and it and it makes a hard like cut to that in the second half because the, yeah. the first half does spend a lot of time like building up these creatures. There's a lot of mystery, like you don't see it, and they're doing a lot of kills where people are like getting dragged through the water super yeah. fast. Uh, blood splatters everywhere. I oh, love yeah. the amount of blood splatter in this, like mm -hmm. for when they are not wanting to show the monster. They're yeah. just like, oh, somebody gets pulled, and they just see a big ass like spray from the corner, yeah, or it just comes <laughs> up from the bottom of the the water or something yeah. like that. So it's like they they do a lot of build up in that way, um, you know, because like even while I was like looking at like the the posters and stuff for this, they don't tip their hand that it's uh like these like Lovecraftian monsters. The the, like, the poster, by the way, the tagline for the movie is "Full Scream Ahead," which chef's kiss. I, I'm no expert. Is isn't that for trains? Full steam ahead. Isn't that a train <laughs> thing? Does that apply no, to boats I think, too? I think it's also a boat thing. Okay, I was just like, did they use no, the wrong a, pun for this? <laughs> no, it's like a it's like a boat like submarine thing. I thought the term like full speed or you know full steam ahead was like a like a steam engine for like a train, but I could be wrong. I, I'm not. I'm no expert. Well, early boats were also powered by steam. This one though. This well, one, no, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's a great tagline. Uh, uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, but yeah, like, but they don't tip their hand as to like what these monsters are. So like there is like quite a bit of time, like you hear the noises they make and they sound like whales and like all these things. Yeah. And, 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 um, and you, and you mentioned the disaster movie angle. It's interesting because I wouldn't put it in disaster category only because the storm was just cover. Like all the all the mishaps and everything, none of them were from the storm itself. I mean, I yeah. guess like a, a sinking ship is still a disaster, mm -hmm. but like I guess I'm thinking more nature disaster versus no, yeah. this is still a disaster, but not a yeah. natural disaster. I, I mean, not to spoil my movie math, I'm thinking I'll try to name other movies, but I'm trying to think of like your towering inferno sort of like we're on this big 
you know, building or ship or plane or whatever, it's going down and kind of now we have to fight for survival while also trying mm -hmm. to, to fight these creatures. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and it's interesting because the, the movie that I shouted out um, a few weeks ago, Disaster Girls, uh, they they do loop these movies in like they haven't covered this, but they they would because they kind of loop in giant monsters and creatures yeah. in with disasters yeah. mm -hmm. uh, in a way because I guess it. Because when you think about it, like, you know, these monsters are like, you know, these... You they know, are from they, nature. You yeah, know, they're from is, nature, yeah, yeah. and it is, like, a lot of times, like, nature punishing people yeah, to just a not, degree. So it's not the weather, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this one, yeah, it's not definitely not weather-related. But, yeah, so, okay, it is still disaster-adjacent. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, of course, and I've always said we, uh, we need more heist horror movies, and uh, we don't get the actual heist in this but it's yeah. set up like there we're, we're the mer like or at least that's what we're thinking like mm -hmm. we're thinking that the uh that um Finnegan and his crew are escorting these mercenaries to like do some sort of uh you know heist or something but yeah. they don't know what it is because their policy is uh, 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 uh if we d if as long as it pays, look away. <laughs> some kind of like, as long as the money's flowing, we're not stressing, or some some kind of dumbass, you know, little catchphrase that they had. Yeah, and it, it, and I love how much it comes up too, and that's that's the one joke that I will give Joey later is whenever mm -hmm. he like just says to Fingen, what kind of life motto is that? <laughs> that 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 got a really good laugh out of me. Uh, yeah, Joey just spends a lot of this movie just kind of like complaining and being clueless and being helpless. There's a scene later on it's like his it's this it's the fake out for his death and uh the the main villain of the movie is like uh west studi his name is hanover he's like the only way to stop these creatures is to feed them and he's like well what are we gonna feed them and he's just like yeah, obviously you moron like and so he's just running throughout this whole movie just screaming and terrified and it gets very old very quickly <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely asking a lot of questions. All the, he's the he's the questioning the situation character. Yeah, and it's so funny because when we talked underwater, I said there like this is a classic character trope in these disaster type movies. Yeah, I will take T.J. Miller's character over this guy Oof. in ten other movies. If I don't have to watch this Oof. guy, a real like Sophie's this. choice, you know. But but I mean, T.J. Miller's character in Underwater, not T.J. Miller himself. Well, I mean, uh, even still, character. he also wasn't my favorite in that either. Well, well, yes. I, well, that's what was funny because I was like, I know he wasn't your favorite, but then I was like, oh my god, well, this guy, like, he's he's literally next level. Um, and then uh, and then you mentioned our uh, protagonist. Uh, you got Finnegan played by uh, Treat Williams, who literally just passed away last month. Ah, uh, shout rest, out Treat in, Williams. rest in peace. Uh, and he's kind of known for doing a lot of B and C movie kind of schlock and and uh, taking it with pride. Um, and and what what I'll disagree with what you're saying, because you said he doesn't have the sauce. And that's on purpose, because with the subversions of the characters in this. You know, we have the mercenaries who are, you know, supposed to be, you know, these super badasses and they yeah. should be able to handle themselves. And they kind of do a, a somewhat predator-esque thing with them. But then it's like, no, these are like the worst mercenaries on the planet. Yeah. They, they All they do is like point fingers, point guns at each other. They're they, always they hear a noise and they're just unloading a clip. Like, you these know. are some of the worst mercenaries I've ever seen. Like, yeah. they are just so hot-headed. They're so dumb. Yeah. I mean, uh, so uh, it's uh, like, who's who of that guy? As that Letterboxd review had mentioned, we've got uh, Cliff Curtis, Clifton Powell, Wes Studi, like... 
uh, Dejman Hunsu. There's just like a ton of like, oh, hey, look, look who it is. Like, I had no idea the the supporting cast is way more stacked than the fucking leads of this movie. Hansu, another person that has not aged. He literally looks, looks exactly the same in this movie as he does today. It's so wild. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you got a bunch of those. But like I said, like these mercenaries, they're so dumb. So they're already kind of being a subversion that like I already don't really have faith in any of them surviving just on their interactions, like on the ship before they even get to the cruise yeah. ship. So with Finnegan, he's kind of the subversion of a lot of those, uh, you know, whether it be the action heroes from the 80s or. Um, you know, these like kind of disaster movie leads of like the 90s and early 2000s where it's like they're usually like the grizzled badass. Yeah, they're usually the reluctant hero. And Finnegan's the opposite. Like he, he's there to do his job. He wants to stick to the contract. Uh, he tries to. He stays level-headed. He. I don't think he cusses once the entire movie. Like he Just is wants so. A cold beer. He's polite to everybody. Like in this like stressful situation. So it's like I love that he's just like I'm like a genuine like kind of just good guy. Like yeah. they they allude that he has a past and because he obviously does these jobs for criminals and his thing is oh if I don't know what I'm doing for them then I absolve myself of guilt. That's like his whole thing. But really he's a pretty like good guy. So it's like I like that he's not the uh like you know the badass that everyone has to convince to save them he's like look i hate all of you but i'm gonna save you anyways yeah. because you know that's the kind of guy i am so i i like uh his subversion i i think that's where i'm kind of tripping up on is i just don't know what to make of his character is he the sort of uh, I just keep spoiling my movie math. Is he the kind of big trouble, little China, Jack Burton subversion of the leading man where he's actually a bumbling idiot and like can't, you know, uh, you know kind of hold his own against anybody? Or is he sort of the, as, as you were talking about, this? I'm, I'm here to finish a job, I have a duty, I'm going to survive and, and protect the people who, you know, are, are fair. Like, is, is, is he the charismatic you know, leading man, or is he just the straight down the middle? I mean, I'll, I do what I have to do because he's throwing around too many quips to be just kind of matter of fact, you know? No, but but he's I mean, he's kind of somewhere in the middle because he's a very cap. He's not bumbling. He's very capable, but he's also just not an asshole like the typical badass. I'm are, saying, man, he's didn't know? move the needle so, for me. He's so, just a guy. He's just a regular fucking guy. <laughs> hey, I like me a real nicely made vanilla milkshake, you know, and if it's it's it still tastes good. It does the job. I will take the vanilla milkshake. Not, not for me. In, in this up, case, I will. It won't settle in my stomach well. Well, because and everybody... Neither did he, frankly. Well, and they also did the thing where it's like the supporting cast is so much bigger and he has to That's be the, 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 the level, like, you know, straight head. That's what I'm saying. The supporting cast... Well, he's got to be the... you got to uh, have a straight man somewhere. Well, I'm just... I'm, it's not necessarily a complaint. It's just the fact that the supporting cast is so stacked that everybody, to me, I, I felt kind of overshot him even famke jensen uh who was like such uh or jansen was like such a big childhood crush for me specifically oh. from x-men 3 like i am jansen uh, yeah that was actually uh I, I like her short haircut next to but uh yeah famke jansen well, absolutely she, she turns all evil in, in part three and was you know all oh, like, yeah. kind of seducing wolverine and i was like what is going on to oh. me i'm like 10 years old <laughs> oh i was i was very very much into that um if everybody hasn't watched uh hemlock grove uh, she plays a hot cunty mom. <laughs> she is so evil and she is so great and hot in it. And I can't stand it. 
so uh, yeah, uh, Famke Jansen, and this was her second tentacle monster movie of 1998. As no she, uh, the Faculty also came out in 1998. So uh, you know, uh, hey, we don't kink shame her on here. So Famke, if you're you're trying to tell the world that y- your love for tentacles, we need uh, a third <laughs> one though. Make it a trilogy. Oh yeah, we we gotta yeah we definitely have to uh, get her into uh, the yeah to her tentacle trilogy. We need to finish that. <laughs> out. I guess that's all right. I guess I'm getting to work after this. Uh, and you know, and I actually think she was, uh, I love her, but I think she was like very underutilized. I agree. Um, like especially like, I mean, she's really not there in the first half. Uh, she's not present during like, like most of like the catastrophe stuff. Cause like she like bumped her head and fell asleep and yeah. like in the, in the food room. Yeah. And then it's like, she like wakes back up like, Oh, Hey, what's going Just on? Spending all day in the freezer. Like I do on a, on a, on a tough shift. You know what I'm saying, Devon? Yes. Uh, we all know a good cry in the walk-in. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then they tried to, you know, give her like a little, like have chemistry between her and Finnegan. And I'm like, yeah. Finnegan's like 20 years older than you probably. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just also didn't need it, you know, but I yeah. like that. He also wasn't the one pushing like he, yeah. like he, like whenever, uh, he's like, he even like does the thing like, Oh, like what? Let me guess. I save you. I get whatever I want. Huh? Yeah. And she was like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, beer. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I yeah, thought yeah. that was actually a nice moment, but then like, so he's really not the like action hero trying to impress her mm-hmm. like he's again he's just doing the things that need to be done so people can survive and then you know she's kind of endeared to that so like the, over so the plot the can move along is what you're saying <laughs> so so the plot can move on but uh yeah so i i, I would have liked to get a little bit more of her character like i love that she was like a bad thief apparently <laughs> like she's kind of like she's able to do the sleight of hand kind of pickpocket stuff but, I but can the do big that. the big score she's, Garrett, she's i getting... can i can do that sleight of hand <laughs> i can pull cards like here's my not... keys actually <laughs> like like i love how like they get uh she gets called out he's like how do you have this much of a record but you're so young and he's like no because you're really bad at this <laughs> she's trying you know it's early days it's early in her career she, hey, yeah, she's you still get, a rookie you gotta start somewhere and i guess like maybe the only reason we don't get to see of her more in action is because they do the thing which i'm kind of split on on one hand i would have loved to have seen a little bit more of you know the the uh, monster decimating all these rich people on the ship yeah but then i also like that we like when the ship gets there it's happened already like they like everyone's been eaten (laughs) or or jumped off board already and then it's them like trying to like kind of piece together what happened and then we get like that big reveal of like all the skeleton bodies like in that like room and everything which i thought was super cool but at the same time it was like i kind of would have liked to seen a little bit more uh on the on the luxury ship so that way we can see famca you know stealing from some rich people see them get eaten a little bit like you know Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff i do have a bone to pick though with the creatures in this i feel like they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone of those human carcasses you know like you know you take somebody to to eat wings and they're like crushing them quote unquote they only eat like 60 percent of it and there's still like so much meat left on the bone that are these monsters they're like sucking their skin and their bloods and these I'm like, come on! There's still a lot left to eat. Well, that's the thing, because they're drink, they're drinking. They're not even eating. That the, the when Canton gives the whole speech about these monsters that he somehow knows about, <laughs> like that came, like he literally off the hand, like uh, guesses it. Uh, what are they called? I, I wrote it down. Uh, out of 
a Toya. He's like, oh yeah, I think they must be a Toya. This legend I heard. It's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so, so but he he explains they drink that these monsters drink their victims alive. Those are pretty wet looking corpses. That's all I'm saying. They have a lot of blood left. Well, they don't have hands. You know, <laughs> they're just trying their best. You, you know, because you, you need to be able to clean. You need your hand to be able to clean I the wing see. properly. I see. Uh, so you know, they're they're doing their best with. Uh, uh, slurping it around and uh i love uh like whenever you see the bodies it's like they're not only like bloody skeletons but they also like have that like clear gelatinous goo as yeah. well on them and like that's yeah. like the the calling card when homie gets thrown up and he's oh, like half right? melted and shit that like, was sick that was like that was like some paul verhoven like robocop yeah. shit like i could have used honestly a little bit more of that like because I, I think the movie does do a lot of People getting killed off of screen, off screen, or people just stumbling in, and there's like carnage already happening. I could have used a little bit more gratuitous violence, which is a pretty common complaint mm-hmm. that I have with a lot of movies. But hey, oh yeah, I definitely could use more too. But I love that that scene, amongst a lot of other things in this, like very much like foreshadows a lot of the stuff he's gonna bring in the Mummy, mm-hmm. and like he's gonna kind of like you know you can tell in the Mummy they learned his lessons from this movie on like things he could you know tighten up, make better, get rid of. You know what? You know, he, you uh, know what he learned the leading man the well, leading man uh, there I mean, you go yeah. <laughs> i mean what yes. an upgrade this would have been a way different movie if brendan fraser was leading it oh, um, imagine? but uh but yeah because that scene reminds me of like when people always say like the mummy is not a horror movie and i'm like i'm like do you forget that the mummy <laughs> spends like half the movie like eating people's organs and shit and like yeah. tearing their skin off their body and their eyes and stuff like that's exactly like what that scene felt like yeah i mean i think that that is something that you just don't really see as much anymore i feel like it was such a 90s thing but like that action adventure horror is just not something that i feel like we've seen in such a long time maybe it's a budgetary thing because i feel like this obviously has a very heavy effects budget very heavy cg budget i mean i think the last movie that we maybe saw was the remake of the mummy which is you know balls but at least it's a swing in that direction i guess yeah the the action horror genre lacking a little bit we're definitely getting a lot more of action that just has like gratuitous kills yeah. and stuff like that's kind of the most we're getting sure and what i would assume would be is like i think it's the time because action movies it takes a lot of time to set up these like big set piece oh, yeah. scenes and Expensive, stuff you know it, that takes a lot of time and then also so does makeup and effects and stuff too you know so it's like i feel like like if you're focusing on both those things you're like trying to do like you know like heavy prosthetics and makeup on people but then you're also trying to yeah. blow shit up and like all these like big scenes like that yeah. i feel like it's just kind of a lot and and very time consuming so maybe yeah. that's a reason why but yeah it, it in the 90s again was like chock full of them i mean yeah uh, blade all-time fave of course uh yeah. you know and shout out and congrats to your uh, recent oh article. yeah thank yeah. you yeah check it out on a uh, dread central 25th anniversary yeah i did want to mention kind of the effects of this movie because i think it's easy to go back and to watch a film like this and be like uh the cgi doesn't look actually very good but it's like yeah it was was also 30 years ago practically so i think for it being as old as it is and just kind of being aware of some of the movies that came out around this time you know for late 90s cgi there are more than a few shots in this that i was like hey that's not bad at all like there are some i think some pretty pretty um you know uh pretty solid cg you know obviously in context of this time it doesn't hold up to today's standards of course but I, I I think it's not too bad. No, I, I don't think it's bad. There's a there's a few scenes where it's like, eh, you know, it's a, it looks a little shaky. Uh, I saw um 
I saw somebody say that this has Dreamcast graphics. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's such a very specific poll. Yeah. And, and, you know, to one degree, it is. I mean, I'll say for 1998, some of these shots do look pretty good. Like, there is some, like, pretty solid stuff. Um, And, you know, but then also with these monsters, like, sometimes I go back and forth. Like, yes, I would love to see something practical so that way you get the tangibility, the tactileness of it. Yeah. Um, but... Even when there's like bad CGI like this, it still kind of adds a little something because then you kind of have that uncanniness mm -hmm. because these are like unnatural monsters that we've never seen. So like what is our frame of reference to say yeah. that this doesn't look realistic, you know, other yeah. than like it like looking computerized. Mm -hmm. So it's like at the same time, like the way that it looked like kind of like made it just feel a little bit more uncanny in yeah. a way. Well, I mean, especially just trying to put myself in like the special effects people's shoes at the time if you were to do this practically think of all of the planning and like that probably honestly would have been more of a hassle to do all of these tentacles and these animatronics and these robotic you know all of that stuff in water i'm sure would have been really really difficult but to do the i mean just ask steven spielberg when he did jaws i'm, I'm i think doing this in cg was probably just so much easier uh and i think it also just doesn't look too bad i i think that this movie does what i think a lot of films should do is that it blends both it has some cg there's some practical stuff you're seeing you know blood and goop and things like on that nature so i think it works well for me i mean just like look at the amount of sets that this movie has you know to deal with and uh like you said like uh, between uh, the, and, and this movie, again, like, does it as smartly as they can. Like, they definitely maximize out, you know, what they're gonna, what they're gonna get out of this by, again, like, how in the first half there was a lot of, um, of them, like, you know, doing the things to not show it. So that way yeah. in the second half they could, you know, show it as totally. much as possible. So it's like, I like that they, uh, you know, the, the usage was very economic and smart in like knowing that like, okay, we're not going to get as much, but like, we also want to give yeah. the people what they want, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's either a, you're going to not show it enough. And then people are going to get annoyed that they didn't see enough monster. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to see a bunch of monster, well, you're not going to get, like you said, a yeah. giant animatronic of totally. this monster. Yeah. So, like, you know, take what you can get. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in, in regards to, like, kind of the scope of this movie and the effects and all of that, I, I felt like it was it very much so delivered. It felt like a big budget 90s action movie. The the one problem that I have, and it's like the only thing in this movie other than uh, our, our, our boy uh, Joey that I hated in this movie, Devon, it's a very specific thing. The guns in this movie, what the hell is that? It was like Doom. Like they had these giant like cartoony <laughs> guns. They look like they ripped off the guns that you see at like an arcade, you know, that you're playing like that. <laughs> you're playing like the game. Like then they just spray painted them black. They are completely ridiculous. The sound design, it sounds like a sci-fi film. It's, it's, I don't understand what they're doing at all yeah, in that it, department. Yeah. It like sounds sci-fi. I mean, there's, I mean, I guess they're to assume that the 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 main guy Hanover is like I guess like a big arms dealer guy or something because they're shipping bombs they yeah. got these next gen super fancy guns which uh, apparently don't need to be loaded um like he, nah. he he even says how much rounds it holds but yet you never see anybody like reloading the yeah the sound effects uh sounded just like it didn't fit the movie no it just uh, made no sense but it was just like okay well we want to be able to give characters big guns to handle these monsters so yeah. that way you know and like yeah because like he like introduces them he's like these are top of the line blah 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 yeah. blah, blah so it's like it's, it's very clearly trying to do the aliens thing of having these futuristic kind of sort of sci-fi guns but the thing is is that movies like 
hundreds of years into the future where this is, you know, uh, uh, probably now, quote unquote, modern day. And I just I would have preferred to go maybe the predator route to where you're having, you know, to be concerned with the resources and the ammunition oh, and, and, and all of those things. I think that that could have could have really added to it as well. On top of that, I, I would have preferred just kind of comparing it to some of its peers where I feel like this movie doesn't succeed as much as those do. I don't think that this movie does as good of a job um, demonstrating how smart these creatures are because they talk about it. They're like, oh, they're trying to box us into whatever area. And I don't feel like the movie really does a great job of demonstrating that. Uh, and I, I think having that be a, a something that they have to battle is the intelligence of these creatures going back to kind of the there's that scene with the they're talking about the octopus, you know, of like. Oh, the you put a fish inside of a jar, and an octopus is going to be able to open it up because octo octopi are very intelligent creatures, and I I think that would have been something to really up the stakes of this is have these you know uh, battle of the wits between humans and and these creatures trying to to find them. Yeah, I I definitely was wanting more of that as well because uh, like what you pointed out with the gun was like since they have these big guns with like unlimited ammo that if they just shoot at them enough it ends up yeah. you know taking parts of the monster out so it's like yeah there's kind of no tension or we don't get like a you know what this movie's missing a montage a plan montage Hell that's yeah. a foreshadowing for my movie math uh this movie didn't have any plans it didn't have any uh you know like of like you said of them like you know trying to come up with a way to be like okay yeah. like what's a smart trap we can do and like totally. all these things and, and that would have helped so much, too, because one element that did work on the character level for me was that, like, uh, even though, every, like, you know, these mercenaries, again, just super dumb and are only concerned with, like, the thing. It's like they're in this, like, big, crazy life or death situation. They're still got the job on their mind and yeah. the money on their mind, you know, which is whatever. You guys are fucking dummies. But it does. It There was an interesting dynamic that, like, these this group, like they probably could have survived and made it out of the ship so much faster if they would just, like, stop being assholes to each other and work together. Like, nobody ever is listening to each other. That Everyone yeah. uh, wants to uh, be the one in the position of power. Like, uh, how many times does Finnegan uh, pick up a gun, get get told to drop a gun, gets tossed a gun, and it's like this, uh, this passing around of, like, okay, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of power because, like, that's hand sure, over his sure. whole thing as he, like, wants to keep this thing. So it's like... When you have that dynamic, which I find interesting, that, like, they literally just, like, cannot stop bickering and arguing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in this life or death situation, that would have worked out really well in them, like, trying to, like you said, like, come up with, like, you know, clever plans and things like that. Uh, and, like, tr learning to trust each other. But it's just like, yeah. no, they're just bickering, and then they stop to bicker, shoot their guns a bunch, and then they go back to bickering. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, to kind of, I think Aliens and Predator are probably going to make it in our conversation a lot, but it reminds me of Predators, where you have these different people, all of these kind of macho people coming from all different walks of life, mm -hmm. but they're able to work together to defeat this, like, larger enemy. And I know it's certainly intentional. It's not an accident that all of these characters are, are bickering, but I think that maybe it could have been structured in a different way to make it more interesting as opposed to just being kind of irritating uh, which I feel like this movie kind of defaults to being a lot is it's just kind of annoying sometimes uh, which is like a, a complaint that I didn't expect to have with this movie oh yeah no I was again yeah I was very annoyed and yeah. like in like just because like it, I was annoyed it, like you can have dumb characters but like also yeah they don't have to be like as annoying yeah and one thing I usually don't. I'm not usually the one point this out. Usually you do. 
Um, but okay, we have a very nicely diverse cast in this. Mm-hmm. The three white people are the ones that survived. However, you know, fast forward to the end of the movie, they're not surviving very long yeah. because uh, they <laughs> crashed onto a skull island. Apparently, yeah, with a volcano and looks like dinosaurs in the back. Dope. I was, I, I mean, like, hey, we could do a sequel. We that could was do a sequel. That was a pretty dope thing. Yeah. You see, like trees falling down because there was like a massive thing. Um, but. So so okay maybe they're not surviving but the yeah. but at the end of the movie it is literally Mostly the, the white three folk. white yeah. folk that yeah, are, yeah. all make it it was like the the two asian people go first and then they fucking get Jaiman Hansu, not even by a monster. He gets killed by the fucking rich dude. Yeah, I, I was disappointed. Uh, Una Damon uh, is the actress, and and she dies very quickly uh, into the movie. She was in uh, Deep Impact as well as uh, the Truman Show, uh, and she was fun. She had a she fun. She had fun. a fun rapport with Finnegan. I, she had better rapport with Finnegan than her actual boyfriend Joey. Yeah. Also, total smoke show. I was like, <laughs> that was a very unfortunate loss. Yeah, uh, I definitely disappointed by that. There's uh, Trevor Goddard, uh, who displays the most Australian man uh, <laughs> that you've ever met in your entire life. He played Kano in the original Mortal Kombat movie, which, of course, he did. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want him to play anybody else. I was watching this, and I was like, the guy... Uh, is this just Kano from Mortal Kombat? And I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, that that is uh, that is Kano. Uh, or Kano, uh, wow. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, you have Clifton Powell, who has never not been an evil asshole in a movie. Like, he oh, is yeah. literally always a straight-up ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love him. Uh, Jason Fleming, uh, he pops up in um, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I thought it was Van Helsing. But oh, yeah. he, he's uh, Dr. Jekyll in that. He sure is. Uh, he has a weird hotness to him. He like looks like he's like always just like broke a fever, <laughs> but it like kind of works. I think he's actually my favorite of any of the mercenaries uh, when he's like kind of he's like going crazy and he's like really horny about crime. Like he's like licking his fingers when he's like setting the uh, the bombs off and like getting all excited. I'm like, what? This guy's a weirdo. <laughs> I, I was really glad to see Wes Studi uh, in this because he's such a prolific actor and he's like one of the the great you know indigenous actors of our time. And it was really good to see him in like in a a villain role in this. I, I thought that that was was really cool. He also had like an epic death scene, so I I was uh, probably the biggest fan of his in this movie. Oh my God! Yeah, his death scene is, is is so funny. He's like just like holding on, and like half his body is like already in the monster, and he's like trying to like yeah. hold on. And then I love the like this was great comedy of Joey like going back, giving him the gun, and he like you know he says his one liner. That's whatever. Yeah. But homie still chooses to try to shoot Joey while yeah. he's being half eaten. Yeah. But then he shoots him, and then when he goes to shoot himself, that was the one bullet. Yeah, so he tries he, to kill himself. He, he had yeah. one bullet, and he decided to be petty instead of <laughs> end his now own pain. He dies a terrible death. Uh, I thought that was that was actually uh, pretty hilarious. We also um, we have uh, another just a, a typical that guy uh, sort of. Uh, we also have uh, Anthony Held who is in Sons of the Lambs. He plays like kind of the warden of uh, Hannibal Lecter's prison. He's like kind of the asshole that has that whole monologue about um, uh, Hannibal like eating his own tongue and his pulse never got above eighty five or whatever the you know the exact line is. But uh, he's also uh, in X Men: The Last Stand, uh, which is a, a fun coincidence. But I thought he was really great in this as like this sniveling sort of bratty billionaire who's just like mm, my money and I you know just like trying to go through all of the the like kind of 
what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, yeah, I lost my train. Of I mean, yeah. th- let's take a minute to uh, talk about how cartoony this guy is. Mm-hmm. So he we, we, he opens up and he's the designer of this of this ship. Yeah. Uh, uh, the he wants to yeah make the the biggest. Uh, most luxurious pleasure ship yes. is exactly what this was called. Not just any yacht. This is a pleasure ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait to uh, hop on one of those. When he's like greeting all of the passengers, he's like, you all look so lovely and rich. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like, and he's trying to be like, which I guess is like an interesting like nod to the twist, quote unquote, later that like, you know, he was the one in on it because he's like, obviously like he's about money. Yeah. Uh, and then like you, it, so his whole cartoony thing was, he was going to have the ship hijacked and bombed by these mercenaries and destroyed so he can could collect the insurance money on yeah. it uh, because he spent over $400 million on this ship. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, yeah, we're definitely not going to make the money to uh, uh, for the upkeep on this. Like, yeah. well, no shit. Yeah. Like, even if you are pandering to, like, the richest people possible, of course you're not if you're going to spend that much money. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, like, they even kind of make fun of him for it. They're like, you didn't crunch the numbers, man. Like, we're all going to die because you're bad at math. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah, he definitely uh, is really great in the way he uh, pops up in a lot of that. Yeah, it, it is really just a really great ensemble. Uh, Cliff Curtis, a great Kiwi actor. I love uh, he is a very much ah, that guy who yeah. pops up and stuff. Uh, he's uh, in a movie. I really love Push with uh, Chris Evans and Dakota Fanning. Check oh, yeah. that one out. Yeah. Uh, also uh, in the uh, latest Avatar Wait, and Jaiman Hansu is also in Push. Holy shit. Damn, it's a Push reunion. Uh, but yeah, uh, also in the, the latest Avatar. I uh, played like the the, uh, the the water chief of the, you know, the 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 village that they arrive at. And then ah, yeah. still haven't seen it. Probably won't. But <laughs> I know one of uh, I know a guy that uh, did grip on the Avatar movies and he would tell me about it. All shout the time. out to that guy. Shout, shout out, out to that yeah, guy. Shout out to Kevin. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, we've kind of, uh, hit most of the characters. Uh, let's talk about some of these, uh, action set pieces, uh, because in the second half, I really do, uh, like the way that, um, I mean, cause I like, again, like I like the juxtaposition between like some of the, uh, like more, uh, horror-esque pieces in the, uh, beginning. Like, uh, I really like the one of like you, we don't see the monster, but it's like popping all the metal, like up yeah. on the floors, like it's, mm-hmm. as it's like coming up. Um, you know, so we get like cool stuff like that, but then like, you know, um, the the geography of the ship is very confusing. Yeah, it's kind of like a maze, which I kind of like, like because mm-hmm. it's this gigantic thing. So like, it made the scene at the end like very fun when uh Finnegan and uh Famke Jansen are jet skiing around this yeah. uh lo- you know waterlogged boat. Uh, just like having, and they were hooting and hollering at this point, you know, they're having a good time with it. Uh, you know, so it's like, uh, I, I like, uh, the, uh, the, the whole like escape scene, like, uh, yeah. towards the end. That was fun. I think my favorite set piece is there's a scene where they need to like dive into the water in order to kind of like escape this area or access something. I can't exactly remember what it is, but they dive into the water uh, and you're just kind of expecting for, for, for one of them to get attacked. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite have like a, really exciting payoff you just have uh, Jason Fleming who kind of like comes across this severed arm and that ends up scaring him but the idea of being like you know head deep into this murky water trying to swim around and navigate while these creatures are also maybe in that water too I thought was pretty terrifying 
Yeah, and and again, like I like how even the setup of that scene like shows how dumb Canton is because he's like, yeah, no, the only way we gotta go is through those stairwells. Like yeah. of this entire ship, we're not gonna find <laughs> any other way around besides under these stairs. It's yeah. just like kind of really cartoonishly funny to me. Uh, yeah, and and imagine uh, I I thought Mulligan was gonna die in that aspect because I was gonna be like, that'd be hilarious. Like imagine. Uh, drowning because you get scared by a severed arm <laughs> underwater and then that makes you drown yeah um yeah uh and and he has a uh he has a a, a fun kill as well whenever he like takes one of them out like after this like real tense yeah. uh, standoff moment he's like having with everybody mm-hmm. and that's like you know the classic like he gets one of them and then he's like oh yeah oh, fuck you and then like you know gets eaten of by course, one of course uh, uh really great and then uh what'd you think about uh the the um the finale in the in the room with the the big giant one uh, what'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. I, again, a lot of it is very effects based. They clearly like saved up a lot of their budget for this, you know, giant epic finale. And um, I, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I, I think that that's just kind of how I felt ab- about a lot of this movie. It was kind of nice. It's a, it's a perfect kind of movie just to have on in the background and be folding laundry or doing something else. Just, you know, pay attention to the exciting parts and maybe your attention will wane away throughout the rest of it. And I think the finale is no exception. It's just like, yeah, it's a big monster. It looks fine and there's you know explosions and stuff happening it's it's whatever yeah i mean i thought it was interesting that the again like i feel like it kind of showed uh finnegan's just like kind of straight upness about everything that he's like i'm not gonna be able to take this monster down so it's like they don't have like a showdown of him like you know he shoots in the eye and they run away like i I love that like and they just like literally like leave it behind they're like well that's about all we can do and then (laughs) we're gonna you know they have the whole plan to uh crash the ship uh, into into right. the boat and everything. Right. Uh, I, I do like that uh, uh, Canton did get, you know, his nice comeuppance. He's, like, struggling onto the boat with a broken leg. And, yeah. then, uh, and then once you realize, like, he like sees what the plan was, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was fun. So, uh, yeah, so the, the finale, you know, I think it, it was a nice, like, little tie-in uh, to the end of it. Uh, did you have anything else before we get into final thoughts? Yeah, not really. I, uh, for me, and I can just go ahead and wrap this into my final thoughts. I thought that like, there are a lot of movies like this one. And I think this one is probably one of the less remarkable ones of the bunch. Um, I thought the, the setting was fun of this giant luxury cruise. Um, unfortunately, I just think that a lot of the characters end up weighing this down for me. That's just, they're not a terribly fun to be around i found uh, a great deal of them kind of grading there's also so many of them so many characters that i feel like they're maybe spread um a little bit thin so uh i I felt like the spectacle of everything and the scale of everything this did really truly feel like a 90s you know uh, creature feature sort of blockbuster which i thought was was a a nice surprise um but ultimately yeah this one for me was uh not terribly impressive so out of how many uh, tentacles are we feeling uh, yeah, tentacles. Yeah, I, I'd say like two and a half out of five tentacles for me, probably. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of back and forth. I was like, do I want to give this a two point five? Do I want to give it a three? And whenever I'm in that position, my tiebreaker is always, am I going to watch this again? Yeah. Or like, what is my desire to watch yeah. this? And I definitely would watch it again, but I'm not in a rush to because yeah. again, like I would think about the fun of the set pieces and stuff, but then I'm like. One, this movie is about 15 minutes too long. 
uh, and the characters are just like yeah. so annoying that yeah. it's like almost like is the fun worth going back in to also suffer through yeah. Joey? So <laughs> we're, we're the taking true mo- down that half star specifically because the of true Joey. monster of the movie is uh, <laughs> Pooch here. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go two point five as well. Um, uh, again, like I I'm happy this movie was made because again, like I feel like this uh, made a nice template for Summers for him to do the mummy and kind of yeah. uh, you know kind of sharpen the edges of uh, kind of some of the things he was going for in this one. I think the effort is definitely there. You know, mm-hmm. people are trying. Uh, the sets are really great. Um, and uh, and again, like there there's good set pieces and there's decent stuff here. Um, but at the same time, it like just didn't just didn't it. it, it uh, I forget what movie I said this about before, but it was like, because at the beginning of this movie uh, episode, I said it had too much sauce, but this is like too much sauce, but also not enough mm. at the same time somehow, which I guess would be perfect. But then, but it, so the sauce is just bad. Just then. bad sauce. It's not the <laughs> amount of sauce. It's just bad sauce. The, I, I think the ingredients though, uh, they're not working together. You know, it's not a cohesive flavor. You've got a little too much stuff happening. I think that's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening in this movie. I don't know. What's our sauce metaphor no, here? No, actually this is going to be a great tie background. I meant to do this at the beginning. Um, but a great my- tie back around for something you meant to do at the beginning. So something that ties back in your head and your head alone. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> so my- because we're talking about sauce now, my friend the other day on Sunday, yeah. uh, during our quote unquote perceived hurricane, yes, which was a, we you made know, it through. It was, it was almost a natural disaster it in itself. Quite a core in and of itself. Yes, yes that's what yes. I was going to say. I was going to say, because that would go back to your lighthouse assessment of aquatic core, that if the lighthouse was aquatic core, then so was Sunday, apparently. <laughs> um, but what, uh, and everybody was like, you know, just doing random things as if it was the apocalypse or something. Yeah. And one of my friends was like, all like, I think she was wine drunk and she was like, all loopy and being like, oh, hey, I'm a, I, I decided I wanted to make my own sauce. So I just been in the kitchen for hours throwing ingredients in a bowl trying to make a sauce. A sauce for like <laughs> noodles or pasta or just she, like she, a, a go to sauce? Like, <laughs> She ended up making like chicken with it, but like, yeah, like she didn't have like a sauce in mind. She just wanted a sauce. Damn. So she just started putting ingredients together. And that's this movie. (laughs) It's just a random sauce. It's not going for a particular one. Maybe it it just is. It it is what it is. It sure is. uh, You know. I don't know. This might go check on Letterbox in a couple days. I might change my mind. I sometimes yeah. do that, but I'm gonna stick at two point five for now. Yeah, I think for me the my two point five is just a movie that I'm not really gonna think about. And I think if I wanna scratch the itch of like a nineties creature have feature any more. It's to yeah, go I'm to. not gonna be going to this one first. So yeah. Uh but like I mentioned, uh, lots of the movies that were in our conversation ended up uh kind of making its way into my movie math. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Alrighty, we like to conclude all of our shows by playing movie math. Uh, just take some of the movies that you know were mostly in our conversation today and put it in some sort of equation. Uh, as I already mentioned, most of mine already kind of popped up here, so I'll go ahead and just get mine out of the way. I have in parentheses uh, the Poseidon Adventure, which is a disaster movie about this you know giant boat that people are trying to uh, escape from. Uh, it was later remade in the early 2000s. I have that multiplied by the Relic. Also, like a 90s creature feature, kind of bottleneck, uh, you know, trying to fight these giant monsters. 
divided by Big Trouble in Little China for what I had uh, already kind of mentioned of the the reluctant, sort of capable, sort of not um, action hero who's just got a quip for every situation and, you know, gets the girl in the end. So for me, that kind of uh, amounted to this, which is, you know, fine. Yeah, Poseidon Adventure and Relic are both on my watch list. Um, I've been meaning to get to both of those. Um, yeah, so for mine, um, this was like one of the ones where, yeah, I had like a bunch of movies that I could have subbed in and out, and I was like, I don't really need to make this a big one. Um, so it was like, which ones do I want to roll with? Um, I did have Predator, but then I uh, scratched it. I swapped it out for one that I thought was a little bit better, which would be uh, Pitch Black. Um, and kind of uh, this, uh, you know, ship of various people of different backgrounds yeah. and different moralities. And uh, except for uh, Vin Diesel's character is the total opposite of Finnegan. Uh, he is the classic, you know, reluctant, yeah. you know, badass guy that, you know, people have to learn to trust to survive. Hell and, yeah. It, and Pitch Black fucking rules. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that movie. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Riddick fan in general, actually. So is Vin Diesel, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so in parentheses, I have Pitch Black uh, times uh, Tremors, um, as specifically in the first half of this movie. The first half of this movie is very Tremors in yeah. the way that they uh, portray the monster wreaking havoc without showing it. Yeah. Um, uh, very, very much Tremors, but in the water. And and, and the design of the monster, By, by the way, a way better movie. <laughs> I'd rather watch Tremors like five or six times rather than watch oh, this one again. <laughs> I mean, a uh, uh, well, hundred times. I mean, uh, definitely. Um, Tremors is an ep uh, one of the ones that I did a solo episode on. And I did it with Tremors and Anaconda and those are both movies that I would be up to recovering oh, because sure. I actually really love both of those movies quite a bit um, so so those could come up again because yeah Tremors is a fucking banger and, uh, and, and Tremors it has montages and plans, lots of them, and that's what makes it rule. Hell yeah. uh, we had none in this. We didn't have a single montage in this movie, <laughs> and I feel like that's really what was missing. Um, so Pitch Black uh, multiplied by Tremors in parentheses, and then I'll divide that by Deep Blue Sea um, for the aquatic horror angle of it. Um, we don't have uh, you know scientists underwater and doing a whole thing, um, but it is still... Um, uh, very much in the tone and comedy, oh, like yeah. uh, you know, this is a, a I, I see people doing this as a double feature a lot, you know, Deep Blue Sea and Deep Rising, um, because they are kind of like sister movies in a way. Yeah, um, and then capped off with Deep Horizon, you got the Deep trilogy, you know. Oh yeah, and Deep Horizon also a disaster movie, so that actually is a pretty nice uh, triple bill right there. Um, better, better or worse than uh, Deep Rising, you guys decide. Uh, apparently, a lot of people do really like this movie. Uh, quite a bit as like a as a cult movie so i kind of had a little bit higher expectations yeah. going into it but you know they can't all be winners um so next episode though uh to actually close out our aquatic horror coverage um we're going to be doing an episode talking all about sharks gators and crocodiles um the the holy trinity the patron saints of aquatic horror if you will um, and we're going to be, you know, talking uh, just some of the, the best ones, um, what makes them uh, so interesting in the aquatic horror landscape canon. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into that. Um, but until then, uh, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and TikTok uh, at Garrett McDowell. Uh, and you want to listen to my uh, other podcast, which is a Scum and Villainy. It's our Star Wars podcast. And we've got Ahsoka coming out uh, just in a few short hours, the day of recording. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that new series, uh, you can uh, listen to us on over there. The way you said that, I thought... You were saying like a Soka, and I was like, "What's a Soka?" Oh, I was Devon. like, "Is that like a special uh, type oh, of podcast Devon. episode?" <laughs> I was like, "What is a Soka?" 
but uh, I know exactly what you mean because yeah. Rosario Dawson, one of my many wives, Ooh. I love her, love her. My my uh, my ex Brit looks a lot like Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yeah. it, it shows. Um, but um, I am working on all the same kind of stuff. Um, you can find me at underscore Daddy Disco on all the things. Uh, I did make a blue sky for I don't know just in case it was looking bad on Twitter the other day, but now yeah. it's kind of returned to normal again. Uh, Twitter is like the toxic boyfriend. I'm telling you, of, it's like the, of the world that and and with threads, it's like a break in case of emergency. It's like I don't want to have to use it, but if I need to, it's there. It was interesting because threads came in like hot. Yeah, and I thought that was gonna be the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I I added blue sky and i'm going on blue sky it's like uh it's like uh the episode of spongebob where he's like all rounded and smooth that's what blue sky is like Hi, it's, how it, are you <laughs> yes that's exactly <laughs> what it's like um but uh so i am over there for just in case but i mean i think i think twitter's i think twitter's fine it's staying uh but uh so you can find me on all the places hear me over on the pot and pendulum talking some saw movies and uh, and also on uh, the Creepy and Geeky podcast talking Avengers Age of Ultron. I think that episode comes out next week, so be on the lookout for that. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.